Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautyo Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 839. We're doing our show live here on the 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. We have some wrens, some house wrens singing outside our window this morning, which is kind of cool because we have a little wren-related report coming up on this morning's show. We don't usually talk about crime here, but this story seems to be worth making an exception. It's about the effort to make ecocide an international crime. Ecocide is defined as destruction of the natural environment by deliberate or negligent human action. So here's the gist of it. An international 12-lawyer panel is proposing a legal definition for ecocide as the first major step in a campaign to prevent environmental catastrophes like the Deepwater Horizon oil spill, the deforestation of the Amazon rainforest, and more broadly, climate change. In the campaign, or if the campaign to criminalize ecocide succeeds, the international court would be able to hold accountable those most responsible for major ecological damage. And that includes business and government leaders. Stay tuned. Meanwhile, a related story from Brazil. Indigenous chiefs and human rights groups are accusing Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro of enabling the killing of environmental activists in creating policies that encourage the destruction of the Amazon rainforest for profit while failing to protect indigenous people's rights. They've asked the International Criminal Court to investigate whether Bolsonaro's actions constitute crimes against humanity. Another story we'll keep watching. But now let's talk about bird song. Some birds, several wren species, for example, sing duets. And a new study has discovered something pretty fascinating about how this works, as we're about to learn from our Debbie Bleacher in the Talking Birds Science Corner. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. So, Debbie, what has this study uncovered? Hey, Ray. Um, well, research from the New Jersey Institute of Technology has shown that the brains of male and female plain-tailed wrens seem to be linked together when they're singing a duet song. Linked together. Birds bra- bird brains linked together. How, how so? What, what does that mean? Oh, yeah. Well, when one bird sings, the other bird's brain reacts by becoming temporarily unable to sing. Um, in uh, psychology speak, this is called inhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the first bird stops, the second bird's brain disinhibits, which means it becomes, un- it becomes able to sing again. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. So the release from inhibition might even jumpstart an extra quick reaction. Um, so, in other words, each bird's brain prevents the others from singing, and then when it releases, it actually seems to be able to start up again really fast. Wow. So I guess you'd, you'd normally think that turn-taking would be pretty simple, but I, I guess not. Oh, no, no. It, it looks like a simple behavior, but it's actually really complex. In, in fact, human babies start learning it like 
when they're born, it's, it takes that long to get to get down. Mm-hmm. So um, to take the example of this study, the male stops singing. Then the female's brain recognizes he has stopped. Then she starts singing and goes through all the parts of her song, and then she stops. Mm-hmm. And then the male does all those steps, and then they repeat. So it's kind of like a mechanized routine or even a computer code. It mm-hmm. just it, Even computer code, it just takes a long time to learn that kind of complexity. Wow. It helps to carry a tune, also, which birds don't, you know, have a have a problem with. Why do they? <laughs> Guess not. Why why study this? Uh, by the way, anyways, is, is there a human connection? Oh yeah. Well, if you think about it, every animal that communicates takes turns. Mm-hmm. So studying, yeah, studying song coordination in birds can provide insight insights into how turn taking works in humans and other animals. Wow. What about other applications for this research? Well, studying how one brain can stop and start another brain from doing something, yeah, that's perfect for robotics. Mm. So, yeah, imagine a person who uses a device to help them grasp objects like on a space station. If their brain and the device's brain could cooperate this smoothly, we'd lose fewer tools in space. Yeah, that's a problem. They're really hard to find, I hear, also, when they, uh, when they <laughs> right. out there. Fascinating stuff, and uh, there's more on our website, right? Yeah, yeah. I posted a link to an article there and on our Facebook page. All right. Thank you so much, Debbie. Oh, you're welcome, Ray. My pleasure, as always. Debbie Bleacher in the Talking Birds Science Corner this morning. Here's a bird singing uh, by itself here. It's our mystery bird, and it's a preview of our upcoming mystery bird contest that we'll have officially a little bit later on in the show. Our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. Our mystery bird is rather secretive, heard more often than seen, and heard all through the night sometimes in breeding season. It's a slender bird with soft brown upper parts and white underparts. Red eye rings, a long tail with faint light and dark spots underneath, and a black downward curving bill. Its favorite food is spiny caterpillars. Our bird winters in South America and breeds over most of the northern half of the U.S., east of Montana, often found in low, overgrown pastures and orchards and areas of thick undergrowth. That would be our mystery bird. There's a preview of our contest coming on a little bit later in the show. Beautiful prizes include the new generation metal finch sock from Droll Yankees. It has a beautiful yellow top and base and offers the attraction of a finch sock with the durability of metal. And a beautiful bonus prize, and that would be a 12-ounce bag of delicious, bird-friendly, shade-grown, birds and beans coffee. Prizes there and clues in the sound of our mystery bird in our contest coming along in uh, just a little bit this morning. Now a royal salute. It's to more of our amazing Talking Birds ambassadors, the royalty of the Talking Birds listeners family. Thank you to Stephanie Salinovich from Highland, New York. She says, I love all birds. I grew up in New England watching birds with my grandmother. I teach fifth grade and love to share information about birds with my students. That is so cool. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And thank you to Phil Whiterby from West Milford, New Jersey. He says, I started watching birds shortly after moving into West Milford and putting up my first feeder. 
He adds, I've got a modest life list of 101 species and am known in my circle of friends as the Oracle of Ornithology. The go-to person for bird-related questions, my friends are also environmentally conscious as I am, so I feel that my becoming an ambassador will allow me to introduce them to your show, which I thoroughly enjoy, and thank you so much, Phil. Well, Talking Birds listeners, will you join Phil and the rest of our ambassadors, including Stephanie, of course, and very easy to do. Just go to TalkingBirds.com. That's TalkingBirds.com. There's no G in talking. That's right, and then choose the Become Involved tab right at the top of the homepage there. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with our friend Luke Safford from Tucson Audubon about the upcoming Southeast Arizona Birding Festival, which is both in-person and virtual this year. Plus, our Mike O'Connor in an almost live from the archive edition of Let's Ask Mike will take the bold step of disagreeing with a statement by one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence about our national symbol, the bald eagle. And up next, one of the very few flycatchers you probably won't see in southeast Arizona is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine, for more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. What to think of a bird whose scientific name is Tyrannus Tyrannus? Maybe thinking wouldn't be appropriate. Maybe running would be a better idea. A name like Tyrannus Tyrannus might suggest something like maybe a cassowary, that huge bird from northern Australia and New Guinea that can dispatch large creatures with one stroke of a dagger-like claw. Or maybe a peregrine falcon speeding like a heat-seeking missile toward its hapless prey. But no, when we speak of Tyrannus Tyrannus, we're talking about a little flycatcher. But that doesn't mean that this bird doesn't mean business. It'll battle bigger birds without batting an eyelash. Big birds like red-tailed hawks and great blue herons will find themselves fending off vicious attacks if they get too close to the territory of Tyrannus Tyrannus. So by what name is this bird commonly known? This bird that takes care of business in business suit colors, mostly dark gray, darker on the head with light underparts, and a black tail finishing with a distinctive white band. It's the Eastern Kingbird. Despite its name, the Eastern Kingbird can be found all over the U.S., except for the Southwest, and part of its range overlaps with that of the very different-looking Western Kingbird. Tyrannus tyrannus is often seen perching on wires or tree branches, then sallying out after flying insects, and sometimes finding insects by fluttering slowly over the tops of tall grasses. By the way, a group of kingbirds is collectively known as a coronation, or a court, or a tyranny of kingbirds. Tyrannus tyrannus, the eastern kingbird. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show number 839. Well, Luke Safford is Community Engagement Manager for Tucson Audubon, where a big festival is coming along very soon, and he joins us to uh, tell us a bit about it right now. Good morning, Luke. 
morning, Ray. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure indeed. Great to have you. We'll talk about the festival, which begins August 11th in a minute, but um, maybe tell us first about Southeast Arizona as a birding destination. It is a pretty spectacular one. Uh, yeah, it really is. It's magical. I visited here in 2009 on my first ever birding trip here and had to move here because <laughs> I love it so much. Wow. Uh, Kerbill Thrashers and Gamble's Quail and Gila Woodpeckers everywhere right in town and uh, the canyons, Sky Islands that come up out of the Sonoran Desert. It's just, yeah, it's beautiful and magical. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know what time of year you visited there, but people might not think of going to Arizona or southeast Arizona in the summer, July and August, yep. but uh, there are some pretty good reasons to do so, right? In addition to the festival. Oh, Definitely. It's surprising to people to hear that, hey, come to the desert in August when, you know, it's super hot. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, August is the most amazing time to visit here because it's our rainy season. Uh, it's during our monsoon rains. And so there's abundant food sources for birds. Mm -hmm. uh, early fall migration, post-breeding dispersal. And then there we have some unique late nesting bird species here in uh, the southwest that don't even start breeding until July and August. Mm -hmm. and, and of course this year is probably cooler there than in a lot of other uh, places in the country. Yeah. <laughs> uh, today it's, I think it's only supposed to be 90 degrees. It, you know, uh. usually June is June is the hardest month to be here. It's the hottest. Mm -hmm. uh, and then July and August they tend to be I mean, cool is in like uh, high 90s, mm -hmm. but the rains come and kind of cool it down. Mm -hmm. And our rain started this past week, so we actually got about an inch and a half at my house this week. Wow. Tell us about some of the hot spots there. There's some pretty famous places like the Patton Center for Hummingbirds, for example. Yeah, the Patton Center for Hummingbirds is down in Patagonia, about an hour and 15 minutes south of Tucson. And Tucson Audubon uh, runs that, that location and the hummingbirds there are amazing from mm -hmm. violet crown hummingbirds broad billed hummingbirds there's plain cap star throat there last August um, but it's not just hummingbirds it's also the fly catchers, the woodpeckers the last light buntings, blue gross beaks and then of course the locations where you can find elegant trogan that are close by to Tucson, mm. uh, Madera Canyon uh, Sycamore Canyon that uh, is the trogan is really one of the the holy grails of, of birding down here. Yeah, right on. It's right on your uh, your symbol there for Tucson Audubon, right? Yeah. And, and if I yeah, if I have the festival, the trogan for bird. Incredible. <laughs> if I have this right, uh, Luco's no festival last year, but during the 2019 festival, 230 species spotted during that period. Yeah, yeah, 230 species, and that's that's pretty normal for every year. We hit right around that 225 to 235 mark, hmm. and it's yeah, it, the variety of bird species in August is rivals uh, really anywhere else. It's mm -hmm. it's amazing, and although we didn't have an in-person festival last year, we did have a virtual festival. Mm -hmm. So there will be a virtual component with this year's festival too. Okay, cool. I'll try, I'll try to ask you about that in a minute, but um, the festival has a bunch of great speakers uh, this year. I have to give a plug for our own Freya McGregor, who will be there yeah. with Virginia Rose talking about birdability, but you have lots of other folks as well. Oh, yes, yes, we definitely do. We have Richard Crosley uh, and Holly Merker. They're going to be leading some bird ID walks. Uh, 
every day of the festival at various locations and there's still still room to join them at like the Danza Trail to look for Bacars or Sweetwater Wetlands to see tropical kingbirds. We have uh, speakers coming from Carl Zeiss Sports Optics. We have Bird Watchers Digest with us and, and many others. There's um, there's a, a lot of uh, familiar faces, but then also some new faces uh, sharing the love of birds with each other. Yeah, so the registration, uh, Luke, for the in-person uh, festival attendees is already open, if I, if I uh, understand correctly. We'll give the website address for that in a minute. And then uh, what, the next week, it'll be open for virtual attendees, right? Yeah, so Monday, July 12th, we'll unveil our, our virtual uh, lineup of workshops and uh, virtual little field trips that we'll be doing. And all the in-person events are already up and going at our website, tucsonaudubon.org backslash festival. And you can, there's still plenty of room. We have about 400 folks signed up right now. So mm-hmm. we're anticipating a, a really uh, good time of being back in person, but virtual is good too. You know, we've uh, really uh, placed a, a large emphasis on making sure that we're reaching out to people from all over the world who love the Sonoran Desert and the Southeast Arizona region. And certainly people coming from all over the world as, as attendees, I'm sure, every year. Oh, yeah, every year. You know, that's one of the cool things about uh, the Southeast Arizona Birding Festival. And one of our main goals is to connect people from all over the world with the Sonoran Desert and the Sky Islands of Southeast Arizona. So they want to protect it with us. You know, mm-hmm. our Tucson Audubon's mission is to inspire people to protect and enjoy birds, and uh, we want to do that with people all over. Mm-hmm. So the website, TucsonAudubon.org, pretty easy to remember, TucsonAudubon.org, so uh, people can register there, Luke, if I'm right, and then uh, yeah. now, and then virtual registration Monday, July 12th. That's correct. All right. Well, good luck. I'm sure it's going to be fabulous. Yeah, Ray, hope to see you there. If not this year, then next year. I'll be there August virtually this year. Virtually yeah. this year, and I'll plan uh, plan the in person next next year. Thank you so much, Luke. That's Luke Safford. He's the community engagement manager for Tucson Audubon. That website again, TucsonAudubon.org, and that festival running from August 11th through August 15th. Coming up next here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. The rather repetitive but interesting call of our mystery bird, a rather secretive bird heard more often than seen, heard all through the night sometimes in breeding season, a slender bird with 
soft brown underparts and white underparts, red eye rings and a long tail with faint light and dark spots underneath and a black downward curving bill. Its favorite food, spiny caterpillars, which it has a very amazing way of dealing with. Our bird winters in South America, breeds over most of the northern half of the U.S. east of Montana, often found in low overground pastures and orchards and areas of thick undergrowth. Tell us what that bird is and win some beautiful prizes here or just take a guess and win by default if nobody gets the right answer because we always do a drawing if we don't get a correct answer. The important thing is to call and give us your guess or your answer at this number, 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Call us as soon as you can for a chance to win that beautiful bag of delicious, bird-friendly, shade-grown birds and beans coffee. That's the coffee we like to drink around here. It is really good and good for birds. It helps protect birds environment there in the neotropics and our prize from droll yankees the new generation metal finch sock the finch sock with the attraction of a regular sock but the durability of metal and a design that has been proven to attract birds in big numbers and it can be hung or pole mounted so prizes on our mystery bird contest give us a call as soon as you can 781-837-4900 is the number meanwhile Almost live from the archive, Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. B U T E O. Beautyobooks.com. My name is Meg. I'm calling from Altadena, California. Talking Birds really is a delightful 30 minutes of really valuable information. So, why not share in that wealth <laughs> with other people? So, yes, I encourage all Talking Birds listeners to get involved in the ambassador program. Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family at TalkinBirds.com. Join today, and thanks. Mike O'Connor down there at the legendary Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, apparently does not agree with Benjamin Franklin, who described the bald eagle as a bird of bad moral character. Good morning, Mike. <laughs> Good morning. You know, I'm a big fan of Benjamin Franklin, but I kind of disagree with him on this. Yeah. In case you just tuned in there, Mike, and didn't hear the whole thing, bad moral character, he was referring to the bird and not to you. Oh, oh. Yeah. You know, and I hear that a lot, so I'm glad. Yeah, you know, and I was writing a little piece about this, and, you know, the National Bird, they, they back at the Continental Congress, they needed a national logo, and they kind of hem and hawed, and they had all these committees, and like most committees, nothing got done. But then partway through, a gentleman, Charles Thomas, took all, everybody's notes. He was the secretary of the Congress, and he put this together, this national symbol, using the bald eagle and holding, uh, you know, uh, arrows in one set of talents, all branch and the other, and it's stuck, and I actually don't think it's a bad idea, regardless of what Benjamin Franklin has to say. It's a really <laughs> stately bird. It's beautiful. It covers the whole continent, and um, it's really 
a good symbol. And when I went through the list of what else to pick, what else could we pick? Yeah. I know you've said things about the Golden Eagle. Golden Eagle, yeah. Golden Eagle, you like that, but the Golden Eagle's international. It's actually this natural bird of other countries, mm-hmm. you know, and you can find it in Russia. You know, yeah. we, we, we're tired of the Russians, aren't we? All right, I'll Let's take it back. <laughs> <laughs> and that seems to be a hot debate. So, you know, we solved this problem back in the 1700s. Meanwhile, up north, our friends in Canada, they've been wrestling with this still going on. Whether to call the gray jay the national bird, but... Well, the gray jay has been fighting to be the national bird of Canada, and they sweetened the pot by that just this month, the American Ornithological Society has decided to switch the name from the gray jay to the Canada jay. Wow. So that's Very a- exciting. So now we can call it, all Americans can call it Canadian jay and miss say it. Right, right out there with the Canadian geese. <laughs> <laughs> all right, happy fourth, you guys. Thank you, Mike. Mike O'Connor down there at the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatching Magazine has a new membership program. Benefits include detailed bird ID articles from Ken Kaufman and David Sibley, tips and stories about bird photography, access to quarterly e-workshops on identifying and photographing birds, and complimentary print and digital subscriptions to Birdwatching Magazine. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com slash memberships. Here we are back at the Mystery Bird Contest, trying to identify the bird you're hearing there at 781-837-4900. That would be the number to uh, reach us here. And Allison uh, from North Carolina has uh, done that. (laughs) Hi there, Allison. Hi, good morning. Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth to you. How have you guys been doing down there with all these heat waves? Have you escaped somewhat? Yes, we have backyard mm-hmm. swimming pool, pools for our little kids and a nice lake close by. So oh. we're doing fine. All right, nice. Okay, so you heard all that stuff about the uh, mystery bird, Allison. What, yeah. uh, what, do you, what do you think it is there? I, I think it's a black-billed cuckoo. Let me check my notes here. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who is right? Black-billed cuckoo. Exactly, exactly right. Have you heard about this, that they, this bird tends to call more frequently prior to rainfall, just as the relative, the yellow-billed cuckoo, does? And they nicknamed it, as a result, the rain crow. I thought that was Very cool. cool. That was kind of cool. Hey, we have time for a bonus question if you'd like to give it a try. I can give it a try, All sure. All right, that's the spirit. Okay, here we go. For what are the following people remembered? James Wilson, George Ross, Francis Lewis. Is it A, for having been signers of the Declaration of Independence, B, for having bird species named for them, or C, for having been part of a Talking Birds bonus question? Those are the, uh, certainly that last one there. What do you think, uh, Allison? Be careful on Uh, this one. Be careful on this one. I have to warn you. um, Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to guess uh, B, maybe. (laughs) For having bird species named for them. Uh, that is, uh, no. This is really not a fair, this was not a fair question, I have to, I have to say, because uh, Wilson, Ross, and Lewis are all bird names, aren't they? So birds were named after people with those names, but not these particular people. They were all signers of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, James Wilson and George Ross from Pennsylvania and Francis Lewis from New York. So there you go. 
But as All I said, right. it was kind of, a, kind of a trick question. But that's okay. You win those uh, beautiful prizes. Uh, nonetheless, Allison, by virtue of your correct uh, identification of the black-billed cuckoo. All right. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much. We that, love your show. Oh, We're con- ambassadors, too. Oh, so congratulations. Really Thank you for all of that, and congratulations to you. Thank uh, you. All right. Thank you, Allison, down in North Carolina, correctly identifying the black-billed cuckoo as our mystery bird. Well, I guess our show time is up, and that means we start to work on our next show. Coming very soon, we'll have uh, a, a guest from another festival, the Black Belt Birding Festival in Alabama, uh, going to be on our show very soon. We'll also be selling, celebrating Latino Conservation Week with a special guest. Uh, we'll welcome a guest from England, our friend uh, Christian Roots, one of the great crow experts of the world, will be here on a show in the near future. And then we'll be welcoming a guest, welcoming a guest thanks to the magic of Zoom, all the way from Beijing, China. So those are some of the guests coming along here on our show real soon. Check out our website when you can at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, our assistant, Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And UDO Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. UDOBooks.com.